Catherine is VP Public Affairs, uh, sorry, Senior Vice President Airbus in the UK. Uh, and her role as the main external uh, face of Airbus in the UK is to, um, she's going to speak about her role to public affairs and developing future talent. Catherine's worked in communications and public affairs for Airbus for 13 years now. Uh, she's worked in headquarters in Toulouse, and she's also uh, interacted with many personalities of all political flavours in government. Uh, I understand she's good mates with Greg Clark uh, and has had a significant input into the industrial strategy document. Uh, she's a board member of the International Aviation Women Association, spent time on the boards of the Industry and Parliament Trust, uh, <coughs> West of England uh, Local Enterprise Partnership, uh, and Invest and Bristol and Bath. Uh, I interact with Catherine through our work on the, uh, for the Aerospace Growth Partnership. Catherine is chair of the Engagement Working Group. Uh, and in her spare time, Catherine's a keen musician and recently started the Airbus Filton Workspace Choir. So uh, I think we'll be having a little, uh, a little rendition at the end of the lecture. <laughs> anyway, enough of me. Uh, we have a VIP speaker tonight. I'd like to ask you all to give Catherine a very warm welcome this evening. Thank you, Chris. I will get you singing one day. <laughs> if you told the 20-year-old me that one day I'd be delivering a lecture from a podium like this in one of the world's most prestigious learned societies, I definitely would have replied, get out of here. In fact, when I was manning the tea tent at my local village fete this weekend, I still had to pinch myself that I would be standing here this evening giving this lecture. That 20-year-old would probably have laughed at the idea that I would be working in an industry which requires the best qualifications in maths, knowledge of how an aircraft works, and finally, strict adherence to process. The truth of the matter here in 2017 is that I don't, I'm sad to say, have the best qualifications in maths. I don't have very detailed knowledge of how an aircraft works. And I very definitely don't like process. But perhaps my lack of conformity to the average aerospace employee has led to me being invited here, for which, Chris, I'm very grateful, and to the Women's Committee as well. Although we both started our careers as PAs, I would never dare seek to compare myself to Amy Johnson. But one thing which did strike a chord when I did some research on her is that no one 
no one expected her to achieve what she did. Nevertheless, there is a KLM aircraft named after her. There is Jason, her trusty gypsy moth, stationed in the Science Museum. And there are many Amy Johnson buildings in the UK and even one in Darwin, Australia, to mark her amazing flying achievements. There's even an Amy Johnson Street at the Airbus HQ campus in Toulouse. Although it did take some explaining to my French colleagues why Amy Johnson Alley didn't quite sound right. <laughs> and I think it's fantastic that she was even the subject of a Google Doodle on her 114th birthday just two days ago. As you will have seen, the title of my talk this evening is Airbus is Politics with Wings on It. And talking to some of you just earlier, I hear that that really chimed with some of you too. This was actually a comment that I read in the Times, and it really struck a chord with me several years ago. So why does this description work? What is my job all about? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's guaranteed that there is never, never a dull day in the world of aerospace government relations. There are some, perhaps I might even say my 20-year-old self, who say they are not interested in government or politics. However, we in business and in aerospace need to be interested. It is often said, ignoring the government is potentially as dangerous as ignoring your digestive system you do so at your peril. You could say that every country in the world would like a piece of aerospace. We make huge contributions to nation's GDP. We bring highly skilled, well-paid jobs to an economy. We are a long-term investor and we have a huge impact on the supply chain around us. It's my job to ensure that the government is aware of this and, just as importantly, to ensure that my company knows what is important to the government. The importance of government relations to aerospace companies can be seen in the new, more integrated Airbus which was launched today with my function reporting directly to our CEO, Tom Enders. And as you know, he regularly likes to comment on government matters. Many years ago, before I joined the wonderful world of aerospace and, as Chris said, became a distinguished fellow here at the Royal Aeronautical Society, I worked in the car industry at General Motors with a gentleman called Andy Card, who then went on to become Chief of Staff to George W. Bush. He once said to me, 
that another way of looking at government relations is to be the stone in the shoe of a company. What did he mean? Many times, you do have to be the bearer of bad news. For example, when I worked in General Motors, sadly, a decision was made to close a car plant in the UK, the Luton car plant. And it was a terribly emotional time for many of us working in the company. A group of employees came marching down the hill, banging on the door of the HQ. There was real reaction. It was just before Christmas, not terribly well thought through strategy, some may say. And I remember taking it pretty personally, thinking, you know, gosh, there must be something I can do to help. But one evening, I was driving home, and I still remember exactly where I was in the car, in, on the piece of road in Bedfordshire, and I realised it's just my job. It's not my religion. It's not, in a way, my way of life. It's just my job. And that was a really important moment for me, for those of us in our profession who do have to deal with some difficult situations. You have to remember to keep a step back at all times. I had a slightly similar situation at Airbus when the company made a decision to uh, sell its wing components factory in Filton. Thankfully, it went to another wonderful UK company, GKN, and the positions remained. And of course, there are occasions when I have unsuccessfully lobbied the government, but I'm not going to tell you about those today, maybe over a glass of wine. Keeping a sense of detachment from both sides can help, and I'm sure that's right in many other functions that we, that we work in. I thought it might be helpful to give you a quick summary of my general approach. First of all, political stakeholder relations. It's really important to pinpoint key political contacts, nurture them, inform them, invite them to meet our people. And as you can see here, George Osborne had his fair crack at uh, screwing something into a piece of wing there. I have to let you know, very quickly, all our manufacturing guys went and undid it afterwards. <laughs> but <laughs> he loved to do the hard hat thing, didn't he? And the picture below that is when our Prime Minister visited India on a trade mission, and she went to visit one of our suppliers, and uh, there was great excitement by her visit. And of course, to ensure that these visits and these meetings and interaction you have with political stakeholders work well, you need to do what probably all of you do do when you're ever meeting a customer or a client or a partner or another new colleague, is you have to learn what's going on in their life. What's in their intray, I say? How can we help them? There's absolutely no point getting a really important meeting with somebody and then going straight in and talking about your own issues. A bit of delicacy, you could say. The other important thing I would say is you need to contribute positively to the political atmosphere in which decisions are made. This is especially true in the current political climate we're facing. There can be a tendency to paint industry as trying to scaremonger politicians. But really, in business, we're just trying to understand 
what they're thinking, and also trying to make sure they understand the realities we are facing. This is really acute, as I said, in the finely poised political environment we are currently facing. In many ways, my job at the moment is quite fun. I also try and say to my team, let's turn our key stakeholders into advocates. It's much more powerful for a politician to talk about you than for you to talk yourself. Another aspect which is really important in terms of government relations is, of course, following legislation. One of the first lobbying activities I worked on when I first went into consultancy after university is I lobbied actively, my goodness, did I put my heart and soul into this, I lobbied actively against the National Lottery. <laughs> so, as you can see, I didn't succeed with that one. I do have to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, I, I have never bought a lottery ticket. Never. But it's worth saying, my husband does, and if he wins, you know, may go out the window, but let's see. I also found myself lobbying very hard a couple of years ago with Rolls-Royce on the intellectual property bill, which was somewhat beyond my legal expertise, pretty technical. But I remember dealing with that issue. The most important thing is you go out and ask questions. You find the experts in the company, and then you put them together with the experts in government. And of course, I now have to mention the word Brexit. As I'm sure we all know, Airbus was very vocal in our support of remaining in the EU. We were sometimes up there on a mountain with our views. Other industry and companies did say things, but we were very fervent in our comments. We are working with the government now and, of course, the European Commission and the other member states to make sure our needs from Brexit are well understood. The most important thing for us to say about Brexit in terms of my company is it's always been a matter of competitiveness of our UK operations and whether we're worthy of future investment. And that is the point we try and make. The other aspect that's really important for us in, our, in my function is to follow what the government is up to. The budget, what's the next budget going to say? As you probably know, the recent Queen's speech was all about Brexit, understandably, but life does go on. We have to keep our eye on other things that are happening in this country. Another example of legislation that I had to deal with a few years ago some of you may remember the famous EU emissions trading scheme. Um, apologies for the rather poor FT copy here. But uh, this was a real challenge for us. Um, the European Commission and the member states came up with this idea about emissions trading. But what it actually did was impacted a lot of airlines from outside the EU. And our Chinese customers were not happy, quite understandably, if you looked at the logic. In actual fact, the emissions trading scheme was nothing to do with the aerospace industry. It was to do with reducing emissions in terms of airlines. But of course, airlines absolutely key for us, and our airlines asked us to help. So we had to get stuck in. Worked very, very closely with Rolls-Royce and other 
aerospace companies. And I have to say, the UK played a really important role in ensuring that the legislation moved somewhat from the matter that caused concern to the, the Chinese airlines. It's going to be interesting in future if we have another piece of legislation like that within the member states and the EU as to how we will deal with that from this country. So the other thing, apart from legislation that's coming up, is we need to do issues management. So it's really important to ensure that both sides of the story are aware of each other's issues. And Chris has mentioned the Aerospace Growth Partnership, and I have the privilege of chairing the engagement group. Industrial strategy is in many ways, and I call it the counterpoint to Brexit. It can be, open up many doors, and it already has with many of our industry sectors. And I'm very pleased that the Royal Aeronautical Society play a big role in helping us develop that. One of the key aspects of the industrial strategy for aerospace is the, the creation of the Aerospace Technology Institute. And I'm very proud that Ruth, the COO of ATI, is here tonight. I'm very pleased to see you. Great, thank you for your support. And the work that her organisation has done has really put a lot of confidence from our parent company into investment in this country about research and technology. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Really prove that you know what the key technology is to move this aerospace industry forward. The other thing that's really important, and you're probably aware, my, as you say, I know Greg Clark quite well, one of the key things he talks about is regionalisation. So it's really important for companies such as ours to ensure that we are seen to be part of the regional debate. We have facilities in Stevenage, in Portsmouth, in Guildford, in Filton near Bristol, and of course in Broughton in North Wales, not forgetting our facilities up in Scotland. So we have a lot of our sector is outside of London. So regionalisation can again provide real, um, real impetus for our business. So I encourage the team to, to put a lot of energy into local issues. Um, planning, can we get the infrastructure we need around our sites, encouraging and supporting our local skills projects and some of my colleagues from Airbus who are here tonight, I know you spend a lot of time going into universities and schools and talking about STEM outreach projects. These local events and creating the connections can make a real difference to government relations because the members of parliament, the assembly members in Wales, know that you really care about the place that they represent, and that really helps you when you want to go and see them, and therefore you know what's in their intray. Just last week, Maggie, Maggie Philbin, those of us who are old enough to remember her from Tomorrow's World, she did a fantastic event called Teen Tech, where we had schools from around the country competing for the top award in terms of new ideas and innovation, and it was wonderful to be there to support her. Another important activity um, we focus on is sales campaigns. And look at this. This is Tom Cruise hanging on the side of our A400M aircraft, or as the RAF like to call it, um, the Atlas. Um, so it's really important that uh, this government, and maybe Tom Cruise in his way, could pot potentially help us selling these aircraft abroad. So it's really important that the UK government and our other governments where we have aerospace help us sell aircraft abroad. Um, if the Prime Minister's going on a, a 
trade promotion activity to China, then we make sure that her office have a brief in terms of knowing what sales campaigns we have. I think that's a pretty cool picture. And some of my colleagues very much enjoyed looking after him when he was flying with us as part of the filming. And he genuinely did spend a lot of time with the plane. Hanging off the plane, yes. Um, but you know what he's like. He likes to be a bit of a daredevil. The other thing to say about Airbus, and I know a lot of people ask me about this, is there is a continuous push and pull between the Airbus nations worldwide. That can be, of course, really, really healthy, but at the same time, it can be a bit of a challenge for those of us in, uh, in, the, in particular countries. We have a presence in many, many countries around the world. We have an engineering facility in Bangalore. We have a final assembly line in China. We have a final assembly line in Mobile, Alabama, aside from our key countries, UK, France, Spain, and Germany. And all of those countries love to have their part of Airbus. So we have to continually juggle in this push-pull situation. And it's one of my roles to ensure that the government understands that it's really important to support us fighting the UK corner. And just going back to Brexit, it does make that slightly harder. So maybe let's have a look at some of the highlights, I would say, of the activities I've done in my, my role at Airbus. As many of you know, we get support from the government, which is called repayable launch investment. And I remember when I was lobbying a long time ago for support on our latest aircraft, the A350, I managed to get a sneaky picture of Prime Minister Blair and Chancellor Gordon Brown with our apprentices. So little did they know that I had them wearing T-shirts with A350 on. So we were very busy lobbying them at the time, and of course they liked to be having pictures with the apprentices. Another activity that I also put a lot of effort into and was fully supported by my communications colleagues was I did a lot of work in Bristol to celebrate the centenary of the Bristol Aircraft Company. And in fact, the professor, the Sir George White professor, where are you, Jonathan? Sir George White professor is here today. Sir George White founded the Bristol Aircraft Company. Um, and it really helped in terms of the work we did to support that campaign with regional strategy. And it did end up, as Chris said, with me being asked to put my name forward for the board of the West of England Local Enterprise Partnership, which I served on for four years. I think it's important to use these anniversaries to remind people of the amazing achievements of aerospace in the UK. Especially, let's think about it, the RAF centenary is coming up next year, and I know that Airbus are keen to play our full part in supporting that. And then also next year, two years' time, we have the Airbus 50th anniversary. Can you believe that? We've been around for 50 years, so we'll be celebrating that. Mark my words. Another thing that was a real highlight for me was when somebody in my team proactively went out and did more study and got a, a postgraduate diploma in public affairs, which I was extremely proud of. I really encouraged my teams to continue to uh, train themselves. A particular highlight, going back to the A350, was the moment I stood in one of the buildings in Filton, which is called the Avon Building, and watched the first flight of the A350 aircraft. I was glad to be there in the, this building watching it on TV. I wasn't actually there in Toulouse because I was there 
with the wing engineers who designed the wings of that aircraft and also did a lot of the testings on the fuel systems and the landing gear. And the amazing feeling, I cannot emphasize how amazing it was, of watching these people who designed those wings. This, they were almost lifting up in their seats as they were watching it on screen. It was an amazing moment to be part of. There's a huge feeling of adulation and pride. And Chris has mentioned the Airbus Filton Choir, other things that I spend my time doing. Again, it's been wonderful for me because I don't spend as much time in Filton as I'd like. So on a Friday, we get together and sing our hearts out. You can believe that there's certainly lots of uh, themed songs all to do with flight. We've probably run out of repertoire now. But there are also challenges in my role. So as you know, I said earlier, I came from an American company, General Motors, and have now gone to a very European, or I'd say global company. There's lots of inter intercultural differences that you notice, and many of us see this every day, and it sometimes takes us by surprise. So I suppose it's Southern Europeans versus, versus the Northern European culture. For example, we do like to be on time. <laughs> the Americans like to be on time, but we like it too. The Germans love to have their agenda for the meeting all sorted out, and they want to know who's saying what, and it has to be very clear and black and white. The Spanish, I love dearly. Um, they are very witty and fun, but actually, time is not a great thing for them. <laughs> and there's a wonderful line that one of my colleagues uses, that you can upset the French or uh, the Germans, but never, never upset them both at the same time. <laughs> Another challenge for me, and this maybe shows the variety of the job I do, is I will never forget when the transport for a group of VVIPs broke down when I was transporting them to the launch in the first unveiling ceremony for the A380. We had the four leaders of France, Germany, UK, Spain there waiting, and there I was with a group of VIPs from the UK, and it, there wasn't much I could do. But it, I will never forget that moment of fear that I was going to get into trouble. The there are a lot of challenges, but there's also some really interesting things coming up on the horizon. I'm not going to show you that picture just yet. Um, uh, <laughs> um, there's some really interesting opportunities that are coming up, such as the Urban Air Mobility Initiative by Airbus. Let's see if that's... Oh, it's not there. Okay, we had a good slide for that, but I'll show you later. Um, but perhaps let's go back to my 20-year-old self on the NUS card I showed you right at the beginning. I wonder what I would advise her on now. Well, firstly, it would be never, never, ever wear a rah-ra skirt or get a perm. Bad idea. And I'll now show you this picture. Go to Glastonbury sooner. I only managed it last weekend. Oh, my God, it was amazing. <laughs> but I thought I might end my talk today. I was just about to watch Ed Sheeran. I thought I might end with some general thoughts on the approach I've taken to business life in government relations. First of all, empathy. It's easy to say it, empathy. But make sure you know what makes others tick. You need to know what's going on in people's personal lives, not be invasive, but just a bit of information. The other one, you've got two ears. Listen. 
I know sometimes you have to sit through long speeches by politicians, but do try and listen. Another tip, research. You will probably find that you are one of the very few people who've actually read the paperwork for the meeting. So just take your time to do some research. Another one, speak up in meetings. Speak early on with your thoughts. And actually, if I may some, give some advice to other ladies, I had some advice from a colleague recently. If you hear a lady make a comment in a meeting and she's not been backed up, back her up and say, as Mary said, it does work really well. And okay, I'll do that to the chats as well. But actually, encourage your colleagues. Another thing, get out more. I used to have a boss who used to walk around the office and say, why are you sitting at your desk? Why are you sitting at your desk? You need to get out. Go and see journalists. Go and see the politicians. I have a phrase I like to use a lot. A desk is a dangerous place from which to watch the world. Finally, using Sheryl Sandberg's famous philosophy about lean in. Do make sure you support other colleagues. One way of doing that, if you'll allow me to have a shameless plug, Chris mentioned IOA, which is the International Aviation Women's Association. I'm wearing the badge. Um, I'm on the board of IOA. I represent Europe, which is interesting for a Brit. Um, and we have our big annual conference coming up in Berlin on the 9th to the 11th of November. I'm very keen to get more Brits there, men and women. Um, and it's not, it isn't often in Europe, so it's really important, and I'd encourage you all to come along. And if any of you are interested, speak to me later. There are many people here in this room, and I'm absolutely delighted to see some of you here today, who have encouraged me, and I hope I've encouraged them. Over many years, I've also sought to have interns in my teams, and a new one has literally started today, in our London office. I used to ask the interns when they joined my team, who was the last Blue Peter presenter you remembered? But the last one I asked said, who is Blue Peter? <laughs> they provide a great addition to our teams. They help us keep up to date in so many ways. This job and this industry is really about the people. And it's been a privilege to talk to you this evening. Thank you all for your time. And I'll happily now take questions about anything other than my NUS card. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.